This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation. Hello everyone, welcome to Junior Dones The Spark. I'm Junior Doan and thank you for joining us. Today I'll be talking with Jody Gardner, Foster Care Coordinator for the Midland County Probate and Juvenile Court right here in Midland, Michigan. Welcome Jody. You sound like you have a lot of responsibilities. What, what is your job in, in Compass? Uh, my position is called the Court Services Coordinator. Uh, I work at the 42nd Circuit Court. Uh, family division for Judge Allen and my primary is licensing foster homes for the court uh, but I also have other duties I do adoption home studies for adults or minors a lot of step parent stuff grandparent adoptions I do guardianship mm. investigations when assigned and I do the truancy and corrigibility program what where, is that um, where we work with the the truancy officers in the school and I'm the court representative and I'm the one that um, is part of the process and I'm the one that speaks to the kids in a conference with the school with our youth uh, intervention specialist from CMH and we coordinate this together to give uh, an opportunity a last opportunity to prevent them coming into the court system so it's a whole process to it so my part is um, coordinating the meetings running the meetings and uh, explaining what could happen in really just empowering the child and the parents with information in the hopes that they will not come into the court system and I, I do about 105 a uh, year and most of them don't come into the court system congratulations right. so that's the nice thing about it that's it, a it big works. success yes what 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 do you find that persuades the family or the child and the, and the parent to make different decisions. What really works have you discovered? In my experience, uh, it, it's more that it, to treat them and, and uh, meet them where they're at, yes. uh, in, in whether it's their development or their education, but, but meet them where they're at and um, not to talk down to them, uh, you know, let them have a voice. And because I can lecture like any parent can lecture. And we, but I want them to know that we're giving them the information because sometimes I know the parents even want us to get you know on the kid, but I want the kid to hear what I'm saying. I want them to to take something from that meeting and make a good decision and know that life is about making choices, uh, good and bad. And if they make continue to make the same choices they're making, and not get the help they need to make different choices, then they're going to end up in the court system. And I, I don't, I'm not want to threaten them because it is their warning but I do want them to be equipped to make better choices for themselves. And so my approach might be different or probably is different than when I was in my 20s when I started in this field yeah. to my 40s. But I have kids of my own and I know that <laughs> they can shut you right off. Um, 
but if you give them good information and important information that'll help them with their future and their decision making, then I, then I think the approach is, is respecting the kids too and not talking down to them. How, how have you gotten kids to actually hear you as opposed to just be in the room? I mean, take in what you're saying and comprehend it. Uh, in my experience, especially as a juvenile probation officer, uh, it, I end up being um, really what a lot of the kids that come into the juvenile justice system uh, missed out on their childhood is having boundaries in a parent or somebody, an adult that they admire that says, if you do this, I'm gonna do this, and following through. It really is the basics. They want to be parented. They, oh. they act like they don't, but the one thing that I noticed throughout the years that I hear is that my parents didn't care about me, they didn't give me a curfew, they didn't know where I was at, when at the time, they were kind of enjoying it and living it up, but it, they didn't feel loved, and they didn't yeah. feel valued. And so, when I tell them, this is what the rules and this is what I have to make sure you're doing, that the court expects you, I'm gonna follow them and I'm expected to make sure you follow them. So I'm gonna, you know, I, I can be reasonable and workable, but I'm gonna follow through and, and not let them get away with it because I'm not doing them any service. I'm not doing them, yes. um, uh, helping them out. And I've gotten, you know, very hardcore kids, especially when I did Saginaw County, they had some kids that were through a lot of trauma uh, on the streets, and um, they turned into little kids when they got they turned back into them what they should have been, and you know enjoying their childhood, and so that's the reward. If they're small rewards, <laughs> that's a big reward. But it is a huge reward, and so that's what gives me my passion to want to. If I can just make a, a little difference in the people's life, you know that I touch, whether it's the child or working with the foster parents, then uh, I want to make their life easier by helping them and doing my part. Not only easier, you've given them a life, it's some, a different some. kind of life. Yeah. That's the hardest thing, though, is if I, when I've moved on to another job is, is when you have to walk away. So it's, it's also a balancing act because you've got to put up good boundaries, uh, but you, you, you let them know that you care about them and want them to be successful and that you believe in them. And I think Do you meet good. over a series of times? Is it a one, one or two exposure? How, how do you work with people in that program? Sure, and well, parents in that program. As, as a probation officer, I did, you, you know, they're in the system anywhere from six months to 18 months usually oh. on average. And so you, and a lot of the kids I would meet with, uh, I did intensive probation, I would meet with them weekly. Uh, like right now in my current position, it's not uncommon. Like today, I've talked to at least five of my 17 foster parents. Well, I got 17 homes right now licensed, and I've talked to at least five of my parents just today. So they know I'm available. And when they have a question, and um, if they're concerned about something, or just, just to have that resource available, uh, they'll call and we walk through it. And, um, and they just know that there's somebody there for them. Because how many times do you call a caseworker? And we're so busy, and right. caseloads are you know, ridiculously high. And I get quite often that, oh, you, you returned my call. I mean, again, it goes back to the basics that when I started this career, it was, you know, just as important, and, and it, I don't know, we lost it because of technology and texting oh, and, yeah. you know, and it's just easier not to communicate, and you can communicate through a text, and, um, you know, I still like the old-fashioned stuff, like picking up a phone or... Hearing their voice, so you have a sense of right. possibility of where you can go in the conversation. Right. Or what the feelings are behind the, the question. Correct, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
And what kind of preparation did you have for this job? Well, I was or this responsibility, I don't call it a job. Well, um, I'm a criminal justice major, so I graduated in 94 from uh, Fair State University with a bachelor's degree. Um, my childhood probably prepared me for a lot of this unknowingly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, How so? Just, you know, coming from a divorced home and, you know, in the 80s where a lot of my friends' parents weren't divorced and I was around the very few and it wasn't talked about and wasn't right. addressed um, to then going into a field that um, I learned about trauma and why things happen. Um, and it, it helped not only educate me, but, but helped me grow as a, and Person. become a better parent. Yes. For my own children. Um, see that, yeah, I had things in my childhood that, that probably weren't the best and that yeah. was healthy, but there's a lot of kids that go through a lot more and yes. things can get worse. And then I just have to be grateful for the day-to-day -day blessings. And in that, that I can just make a difference in a child's life by just following through, you know, meaning what I say. The things that I know as a kid that I got disappointed because I kind of had some selfish parents that didn't always um, think of the kids, but that was the time back then. They kind of, yes. you know, we could be left alone for longer times than probably was should have and, and didn't have curfews or boundaries like that. And, you know, so I learned that uh, what worked in my childhood and, and I just, I, I'm Coward. a lifetime learner and yes. I just want to do better. So do these people meet with you once a month or in any schedule till you find out that they are making progress in, the, in making better decisions? Or is it, yes. here's the plan, execute or, you know, right. there are severe consequences? Well, what, what it is, is if you're in any kind of position that does case management, whether you're a probation officer or you're, or you're working with kids in the in the child abuse neglect field, which I did for 15 years at a tribe, um, you have a case service plan. You you yeah. look at goals and you look at what what brought them into the system and what are the what are the things they need to work on, whether it's education or they need treatment of some kind, and then you work at two or three goals and and you have your how you're going to meet those goals. And it's in the core system has uh, court hearings every 90 days, sometimes oh. sooner. And so what they do is it's a, it's a, your case service plan is a roadmap to where you're going. And yes. it gives the child an understanding or an adult of, of here's where I'm at, this is where I got it, now what do I need to do to make the progress that I need to get my life back on track? And so you work with that and you guide them. So for people who have some of the severe traumas may not trust right. themselves, the adult, the plan. Yes. Do you deal with that, or is that a, another aspect of health? Trust is in this field rampant because of the trauma, and, and understandably, uh, when, when you're a child and you haven't been cared for, maybe to the degree where right. you, you feel abandoned. Um, but, it, but it goes back to establishing rapport by when I say I'm going to call you, yeah, I'm going to call. So when I say I'm going to be at your school to see you at such and such time, that I'm going to show up. Um, it's just, it's that basic follow through in um, modeling yes. a grown up and, and a responsible behavior. It's really interesting how it's just, it's the smallest things, really. But they know you're there. I mean, who, who doesn't want to know that you're valued and that somebody cares about my life and my and future? And reliable. And it's reliable, absolutely. Are you allowed to touch them, like give them a hug, or is that um, sort of problematic these days? Well, 
to tell you the truth, I'm not, th I'm not the most affectionate person, probably because of my childhood. Yeah. Um, but I am with my kids. And uh, I think that, again, it's, a, it's that you, you care, but you have to have boundaries. But I do yeah. have kids that come up that will, I mean, especially after you've been with them a long time and they're upset. I mean, if they're upset or something, I'll, I'm going to give them a hug or something. But I too try to maintain boundaries. But Let them lead in that yes, area. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And because there's a lot of, a lot of them, I've worked with kids that had multiple personalities and, and, and very high mental health stuff, and so you don't want to, right, you want them to be, it. right, right, and you, you want to establish. So are there the psychological services available or health available? Uh, do you have help besides you doing this? Yes, so anytime I've ever done any kind of position with case management, which is most of my career, is that you, there's always, uh, resources. I mean, there's always the, the counselor, so there's assessments. Like right. when I did neglect and abuse, um, we had risk assessments, safety assessments, um, and it kind of tells you if they're at a low, medium, or risk level, and it kind of it gives you some guidelines of, of yes. um, what services maybe should be plugged in. And then you're on a team, but when you're the case manager, you're kind of like the lead of it to make sure that your kid is going through their case service plan. Um, at the right, in, in your kind of, you're checking it. Like, where are we at with this? Do they need counseling? Do they need an assessment? Do they need a trauma assessment? You know, oh. what is it? What is it that they need? Do they need a mentor? Um, do they need an IEP to get help with their academic supports in school? Because you're you're looking at and all. And there aspects. is support for that for kids in academically. Absolutely, yeah. Like an after-school program or in-school program. Well, if you're in, if you have any kind of special needs, a learning disability, like I have a son with autism, right. um, that he's always had an IEP. He's 19, but he functions about five, and he has had one uh, all of his life. In fact, he's an adult now, yeah. a disabled adult, and he still has one, and he'll go to school until he's 26. So that individual educational plan will guide him I and see. the teachers to know what kind of supports he needs to continue to grow and develop. Oh, interesting. So that's one area. Then we have foster homes. Talk, uh, tell me a little about that. I really don't know anything except I admire the people who Absolutely. have taken this on. Right. And, and, and I, I came to the court uh, about three years ago, and this was the one thing in my career I hadn't done was licensing. Uh, I had done, oh, you know, kind of everything else. Uh, so when I went into uh, this foster, I, I licensed foster homes for the court. So it's under the state of Michigan, just like anybody else. Like if you wanted to be a child care provider, you had to get a license. If you want to be a child um, placing agency, which is what we're considered, you apply for it. And you've got to have a worker that meets the credentials. So I had to be trained. And mm. it's a legal process. So uh, we use it the same as anybody else who's a child placing agency in the state of Michigan, and so there's certain criteria, um, background checks, um, mm. you know, application. Um, there's, my reports are about you know, 20 pages or so long, because um, you have to look at the family. Uh, the current family, you have to look at each of the parents in their social and what happened as they grew up, because you're trying to get an idea of um, if, you, if they care for other kids, how are, are they gonna be open to working with other people oh. to, other cultures to meet the needs of a child who may be delayed and and, and basically gives you an idea um, as you as you're licensing so it can take anywhere from four to six months to actually license a foster home and because it can take long that can discourage people so you want to be moving 
right. showing progress so it doesn't feel <laughs> like yeah. it takes so long. Um, so once they get licensed, and, and for instance, um, you're aware of our uh, foster parents who've been with the court for 25 years. Um, yeah, they got the Angels in Adoption Award, um, the locks, and they've been wonderful and um, have uh, taken kids and in fact, I mean, they've taken so many kids into their home. I'm sure, I know it's way over 100. And that they, uh, these kids are still part of their life. You know what I mean? They get yeah. hundreds of phone calls and they know that that's the safe place that I can go back to. Um, and, and they just made a huge difference. And in some kids even, they, were, they weren't even there that long. But because they were, they were there at such a crucial time in that child's life, they remember them and they're just so kind-hearted and, and um, or first step towards normalcy. Absolutely, yeah. So, but I found from reading the materials, foster home care is really for a very short period of time. What right. What are the parameters around that? Well, um, and that's that's for um, our court program. So our foster co home, uh, when you develop, when your child plays an agency, you kind of have to look at it like, uh, what what is it for the population you're serving? So ours is for kids that are mainly involved in the court system. Okay. So the kids that, a lot of them uh, have truancy attendance problems, uh, status offense stuff for minor things, and they're not going to school for whatever reason. And the parents maybe are not um, cooperating with the court or they don't have the capabilities or they're, they're, they need intensive care. So what we do is sometimes they may go into our foster home for like a school year. So not long. Okay. Yeah, so like a school year, sometimes six months. Uh, we we have a day treatment program that they may be a part of. So we use our homes for short term to help the parent or maybe they need to be put there for a while for behavioral stuff and the parent can't control them. And so it's still working with the parents and getting the child back to them. And the nice thing about our court is, is that it works with the whole family. So it's not yes. just with the child uh, yes. because you don't want to help a child and then put them right. back in the same situation. doesn't make sense. Um, so. The family get, we have a lot of evidence-based programs um, that the parents go through to help them. And so ours are specifically, our foster homes are specifically for more short-term care. Mm -hmm. And then we also have another, for our court kids, but we borrow, borrow beds. So people can, from other agencies can borrow our beds. We call it a borrow bed agreement. Um, and that means they would have to, you know, pay our rate and, and um, there's there's an agreement that that if this happens then then uh, these are the parameters of our program so to speak uh, but again it's more short term I mean it's on occasion kids have been there two or three years when uh, because of their situation uh, maybe parents aren't available in prison or passed away or something happened um, and then we have our community mental health program portion of it where we're contracted out by a six county area and I in our foster homes are in the six county areas. I have most of them in Midland, but we have some. We have one in Saginaw County, Gladwin, Farwell, Clare, uh, Macosta, and so what That's we do. nice. Yeah, we kind of spread them out. Yeah. And because uh, you could, because we can license anywhere. Uh, we try to keep them as close as we can. But um, the CMH then in those counties then will call me either on an emergency. So like if a child is presenting at an ER where they're really struggling with their mental health, but they don't meet the criteria for hospitalization, and really they just need a break from the parents because everybody's really just struggling, then they might go to one of our foster homes for the night. So it's, an, it's a reward, and that's the nice thing because historically foster homes are, are, were not 
No. And there is a history of, of, of not so good things. So Being not wanted. Right. And so they really they love our foster homes. Most kids enjoy it there, especially the CMH kids. So the, the community mental health kids are like kids that may be struggling with behavior issues or mental health. They don't necessarily are involved in the court or anything, but they just need that extra support and the parent needs the support. Is that, you know, if I have a very high needs kid that, that I might need a weekend off a month. And so we, they, oh, we're, we're able to provide that. We provide the home and then CMH provides the payment and the support. And so it's a volunteer thing, but paperwork for obviously for um, legal reasons is, is, you know, like medical forms and stuff like that are authorized. So, so we have that portion of the program. So I'm available 24-7 <laughs> in case that happens, <laughs> in case we need to place a kid. Or a lot of times it's scheduled respite, just that that's part of their case service plan or their treatment plan that mom needs a break, uh, you know, and so once a month the child goes for a weekend, for a few days to For someone coming care. through the hospital or, or coming or even on a regular basis, such as you just said, uh, are there, um, I don't know exactly, rules or expectations explained to the child? This is how we do it in our house. And, yeah. you know, this is what we're hopeful you're going to do or not do. Or right. what, what kind yeah. of direction uh, do you educate the foster parents uh, or the children, so that that really works as a plus for all concerned. Well, um, all of our foster homes um, have a lot of things in place, and one of them is house rules. So when a child comes into care, whether it's through the court or a CMH, uh, the, they wel are welcome into the home, and they will go over the rules, and they're, they're standard rules, but they give them a guideline, and they also know to give them a few days to adjust, because yeah, it, especially if they're a longer term or they're for a little bit, is they're going to have to adjust and have some, uh, but you know, they're safety things. They're mostly for safety. And they have those rules, but they also, um, you know, there's allotments for allowance so they can earn some money. Maybe some kids don't come from much, so they can earn some money. Um, they're provided for as far as some clothing. There's a little bit of allotment for that to make sure that they have what they need because uh, some kids come with very little or, or um, and then, again, it's, it's, it's not that they've done something wrong, especially CMH rest, but they're not, they haven't done something wrong as much as it, that they just need a break. And, that, and a lot of kids want to earn that, earn the right to go to visit, you know, one of our foster homes. So it's, it doesn't is, have to be negative. Uh, is overcoats or gloves or shoes or T-shirts or anything useful for this subset of the population I'm sort of coming around to if someone wanted to donate to it other than cash, is, is there a, a way to do that or not? They, we have had, um, we have a shelter house in Midland who... Oh, through shelter through house. Through shelter house that we, we have an account there where uh, the kids are involved with our uh, programs can right. go and if there's a need, especially on a weekend where maybe we can't get to them if something yes. happens, they can go to the shelter house and they have and show our form and they can get whatever it is they need. That's okay. That's a yeah, well-established so we that. structure. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, I'm just so impressed with the program and mm -hmm. the satisfactions the parents must feel. And I'm just, as I say, in awe <laughs> that these people would, how many homes do you have in the general area at the moment? Right now I've licensed 17 homes. So when I got in this position, um, Three years ago, we had technically seven homes licensed, uh, but one was had had done foster care for ten years, and they were retiring. 
So they didn't take any kids. So only technically I had six homes that were running. And in the meantime, um, I licensed more. And then I would have 18, but one, uh, after 10 years or so, had some other health things going on and, and decided not to be licensed anymore. Uh, but I think we, we have been very successful um, with this program. It's been in existence at the court, and, and I live in Midland and didn't even know it <laughs> existed until I got the position. Um, they've had licensed homes there since uh, 1998. If you could wave a wand, is 17 the right number? Or Well, with most counties, every worker can have up to 30 homes oh. to monitor. Um, so I, that's only half of my position, so right now I'm a little over. Uh, if we can, we can go as many as needed, to tell you the truth, I, th I think there's always a need. Uh, because two of our foster homes only do respite, for instance. So they don't right. take any long term. So a lot of times we try to make sure that we, to keep our foster parents, um, not only do we give them a lot of supports, but we also want them to know that is, if this is the kids that you can handle and we're going to train you and we're going to help you do as much as you can to be as successful and helpful to that child, but they might not be comfortable with the real high, high-risk kids. And so we don't want to set them up to fail. You match them well. Right. You don't want to set the kids up to fail. Right. Because some of these parents, they'll, they'll say yes to every kid because they, they just want to help everybody. Big heart. Yes. Thank you very much. Yep. So we've learned a lot here. Firstly, we're all thirsty <laughs> for being cared for, yep. you know, being heard and listened to. And secondly, when you help someone else out, it makes you better and you can draw from some of the bad things that happened to your life and redo them for the better. We're very lucky to have this program here, so these, well, there were a couple of programs to keep kids on making better choices, be reliable, parents here. <laughs> Tell the truth, be reliable, follow up and point out the consequences, be heard. And in the foster care and homes things, you can participate this uh, in this if you wish. Your Jody is glad to hear <laughs> from you, I'm sure. And there's a lot of way of helping people, and there's a lot of way of having meaning in your life. And this is one of them. It's a great satisfaction, she said, to see a child make better decisions or learn trust or be kind. And as you know, at the close of every program, I say the same thing. Go out and do something kind for someone you know and someone you don't know and do it again every day because you will be better, the society will be better, and the person will appreciate it. Have a wonderful week. See you next time. To contact Junia, send her an email at juniadonesthespark at gmail.com. For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions on QTV are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television.
the City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website cityofmidlandmi.gov slash mctv.